Hi, welcome to episode 122. Today, we're talking about intentional fatherhood. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi there, it's Danae. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This is episode 122, and we are wrapping up the fourth in a series of episodes I'm calling Journey to Simplicity. And in these episodes, I've been exploring the journey to simplicity of a few members of the Simple Families community. Today, we have the first ever male voice on the podcast. I'm not sure what the heck has taken so long. I've been doing this for over a year and a half now, and I haven't had a single man on the podcast. I'm excited to hear about his family's journey to simplicity through the eyes of a father. Clark is going to tell us a little bit about what simple living, minimalism, and intentional parenting means to him. He and his wife and his two young boys live in a very small apartment in Utah. A combination of his childhood and his experience living small with kids has inspired him not only to learn more about parenting, but also in his business where he designs furniture for children. Before we jump into today's episode, here's a word from the sponsor. The sponsor for this episode is the Canvas People. If you're anything like me, you probably have an overwhelming number of photographs on your phone. Of the thousands that I take every year, only a handful do I really feel compelled to print out and to display in my home. We recently put up a gallery wall in our living room and I was looking to incorporate some photographs into it. So I thought, what better way than a beautiful canvas to integrate our family photos among other pieces of art? If you're looking for something other than just a standard photo frame, or even a gift for a holiday coming up, please take advantage of this special offer. Right now, if you go to canvaspeople.com, you can get a free 11 by 14 canvas. Use the code SIMPLE and all you're going to pay is shipping and handling. This is a $69 value, and it's something that you're going to treasure forever. So again, go to canvaspeople.com and use the special code SIMPLE, and you'll get your free 11 by 14 canvas. Thanks for tuning in. I think you're going to love this interview with Clark. If you want to learn more about Clark and his business, Sprout Kids, you can find the links in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 122. Thanks again. So without further ado, today's first male guest is my friend Clark Davis. Hi, Clark. How are you? Good. How are you, Danae? I'm good. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure. I'm glad to be here. So, Clark, can you start by telling us a little bit about who's in your family and where you live? Sure. I live in Provo, Utah, about half an hour south of Salt Lake. And my wife, Stephanie, um, we've been married about four years. We were set up on a blind date. And the mutual friend that set us up told me that she had a hard time being serious. And I thought, finally. So she has a really good sense of humor. Um, and then there's my son, Conrad, who's almost three. He's a redhead like myself and very curious. And then Bjorn is just turned one and he is almost walking and climbing on everything. Okay. So you, it's you, your wife, and two kids, and you live mm-hmm. in a small space, right? Yeah, that's right. We're in an apartment that's probably about 700 square feet. Okay. Did you live here pre-kids? Um, yeah, we've lived there since we were married, so about four years. Okay. Did you intend on staying and raising your kids in a small space? No, I, I would say that I didn't. I don't know that I really thought about that a ton, but part of it's been necessity. But I would say that as a result of living in a small space, um, it's inspired a lot of changes in our life that maybe when it's not a necessity that we intend to keep. So it's been a really interesting experience. I imagine when you're in a space the size of yours that you really have to make it functional and you really have to make sure that it fits not only the adults well, but it fits the kids well too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And 
that's been really interesting for in our home, for example, we have the front room, but the front room is also the playroom. Um, it's just where we all live, right, all the time. And the kitchen, I think, gets used a lot more in our, for example, our bed often acts as kind of a jungle gym. So we do have to figure out a lot of ways to make it more functional. It's actually um, inspired a lot of, I would say, inspired me in, in my own work as well. So you own a furniture company that primarily makes furniture for children. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So we design and manufacture at our plant here in Provo, furniture that is designed to help people create environments that foster creativity, independence, and confidence. So we really focus on things that help kids be more involved at home, are part of everything that's going on. So was this the direction that you intended on taking the business from the beginning? Or do you feel like this has been inspired by your time as becoming a parent? My time as a parent, I would say, has definitely changed things. I've had this business for about seven years. um, In the last year, we've kind of reinvented ourselves. And we focus much more generally on furniture. And I'd say kind of didn't have that strong purpose. But as I've had my own children and reflected back on my own childhood and what I would say the gifts I was given in my childhood, not gifts as in physical gifts, but gifts as in the childhood my parents gave me and thought about how I could give that to my own children and and expand that, I think, to other people. It's led to us kind of changing our, our focus and what we do and trying to make products that make a difference. So can you tell us a little bit about your childhood? Sure. Um, so I grew up about 30 minutes from where I live now, out in the countryside on a 60-acre plot that my grandpa had owned. We had. I come from a larger family. Um, I'm the third of eight kids, and there weren't a ton of neighbors around, so we spent a lot of time together. We spent a lot of time in the outdoors. There was a strip of trees that was planted as a windbreak on that field that we'd spent all summer long building huts and trails and zip lines and swings and things in. And then when I got a little older, I spent a lot of time at my dad's cabinet shop working with my hands and and learning to do things. My parents, I would say, were very supportive, but but definitely not the hovering type at all. I think there were times when I didn't know for sure whether or not my parents saw what I was doing, but I knew that they trusted me. And when I talk about growing up, as I remember that time, I, I made a lot of things. I did a lot of working and building. And when I talk about, I think, my tools, which were actually my dad's tools, and I don't know how many hammers or saws I doubt and I lost, but I was never reprimanded by my dad for doing those things. I think that both of my parents very much valued our learning through doing and our being involved and our taking our own initiative. And I think they didn't want to get in the way of that. They wanted to facilitate that very much. So that's something that I've tried to incorporate. You know, the connection between minimalism and simple living in nature isn't something that I made right away as I started simplifying things in my family. But it sort of came out of getting rid of some of the toys and getting rid of some of the stuff is that we really got rid of some of the the distractions and it sort of forced us back outside and forced us to connect with nature more and gave us a reason to get out of the house. Do you feel like, I don't know, probably a combination of your childhood and now living in a small space that you've been compelled to connect with nature more than some families? Yeah, I would I would say so. And I, I think more than I have during college and whatnot as well. Um, in the small space, definitely you want to get out and do young kids. They need to get out. They just need to be out there. They need to get some energy out. But I found, I think beyond the need for exercise and getting energy out, I found some other, I think, really valuable reasons to be outside that have been very rewarding to me and that I want to be a part of my family's life, my children's life. One of those I've found recently is that when I'm outside I and I experience nature, I, I feel like 
there's so much about nature that is unexplainable or that's, I guess I, I end up feeling a little bit small sometimes when I'm in nature. That, for example, when I go to the grocery store and I buy something, I buy a zucchini. It's easy to think in my mind, this is my zucchini. I bought this zucchini and um, I acquired it. But when I put seeds in the ground and I water it and the zucchini plant starts to sprout and then turns in this massive plant, starts putting out zucchini like crazy. I can't help but but think I didn't do this. Like this, this is it doing itself. And so I think being in nature, um, whether you're religious or not, I think inspires inspires awe. And I think awe should inspire gratitude. And I think gratitude makes us happy. And so that's something I want my children to feel very at home in nature. I want nature to be second nature to my children. And so that's another reason that I really try to get outside. Another thing that I've also noticed or or thought about is my relationship with my dad, for example. My dad loves being outside and loves being in nature. And my dad, though, doesn't do Facebook and he doesn't do Instagram. And I don't think he ever will. And I have, I guess, somewhat a relationship with my dad around nature, right? When I'm in nature, I think of him. And I think nature is somewhat unchanging when the rest of our world is very fleeting. You know, when 30 years, <laughs> our children will look at us and Facebook and Instagram, probably look at a Buick or an Oldsmobile. But they won't look at nature that way, I think, if they've come to love it. I think it will be a continuing tie that we can have with them. I completely agree. And I read a quote online recently that said, nothing should make children feel small, except for being out in nature. And I really love that. Because I think in a day like today, where we literally have the world at our fingertips, you know, you can pick up your phone, and you Mm -hmm. can find any piece of information out there, that we need to be humbled by things that are bigger than us, like nature. I also get this feeling when I go to the library, like I feel like I walk into this space, and there's just so much that the physical nature of all of the books that surround me, Uh I think, is such a reminder of no matter how much I think I know, I really know, I know nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And having those experiences to feel that the world is so much bigger than us, I think as our children are growing up in an age of immediate gratification and technology where everything is so quick and fast and right there, I think that's so important. Yeah, and I think it's even a a shift from many of the values that we've as a society moved away from and moved towards that I think humility is one of them and being small. I think we just need to learn that it's okay to be small. It's okay to to admire and to just sit and listen and watch and not be the right. big man all the time. To be present and yeah. here today. And it's hard though. I feel like in the world that our kids are growing up in, it's so noisy and there's so much coming at them all the time. What are your thoughts? I mean, do you have any, do you give your kids any technology time or do you have thoughts around that or just exposing them to some of these broader things that they're going to face in the years to come? Yeah. You know, when we, when I think about simplifying and when I think about minimalism, I think it's a necessary skill that our kids are going to need. Um, I think the world's getting very noisy and there's so many voices. And I think one of the skills we need to teach them is what to tune out and what to turn off and how to disconnect. As right now, when my children are one and three, I think that's kind of my job um, is to help them to have a little space to breathe. In our home, we don't have a TV, don't have an iPad. We have our phones and, you know, they use those occasionally. But that's a choice that we've made to try and limit the noise that is coming at them. 
And I think as they get a little bit older, they're going to get that noise. And I think it becomes our job to help us help them to interpret all of those voices that are coming at them. Right. And I think it goes beyond just setting rules for our kids around technology use, but it also is about modeling in our own behavior. And as you run, would you consider Sprout to be an e-commerce business? Yeah, for sure. Selling goods online. I think that that, I mean, that connects you so often, so much of the time to your phone and to the online world, right? Mm -hmm. That's so true. Have you found that that makes it harder to find a work-life balance? I would say it does. It's hard. I think of when my grandparents were growing up and I check the mail once a day and that's as often as you could check it, right? Yeah. And they Um, check the news twice a day, right? In the morning and in the evening. Yeah, but not today. And so I think we have to be intentional. You know, we have we have a little shelf that's right inside our door in our house that we often set our phones there. And that's been helpful. We've actually moved our charger out of our bedroom and we don't charge in the bedroom. That helps us, I think, ignore our phones a little bit there. I personally try every Sunday to leave my phone and leave my email and let that be a day that I completely disconnect from those things. I try to make the time when I'm with my kids early morning and late nights, you know, make sure we have some good time when we're together and we're a part of that mix. And I've, I know that I have a long way to go. I'm not perfect for sure. But those things have been very helpful to me. Speaking of work-life balance, is your wife at home with the kids most of the time or does she work? She's with them the majority of the time, but she works several hours a week. She's a marriage and family therapist. She got her PhD after we got married and finished right before our second child was born. And so, for example, this week she worked two hours Monday and Tuesday early and I stayed home with the kids till she got back. And then she works a couple hours during the afternoon some other days. And I've learned... We've learned a lot from that. For me, that's been a good experience because I think maybe more than some men, I I think I participate a lot more at home. I have become, I'd say, a very good cook. I spend a, a lot of time with our kids and do everything that they need, you know, not all of it. We do, we do a lot of sharing in those things. And that's been really a growing experience for me. Yeah, I think that finding that balance, not only the work-life balance, but finding the balance between partners can be really challenging in the early years, especially when the duties are so vast with taking care of young children. And Mm -hmm. with a one and three-year-old, they need constant attention, constant supervision, and that it gets to be a lot. So that do you have any words of advice for any parents out there who are looking to find more of a balance between roles of partners? I would say just be flexible. I think that's the biggest thing. I think sometimes in our world, we get kind of set in our ideas of maybe what's husband and a mother's or a husband and a father's duty and a mother's and a wife's duty. And I think we just have to learn to be a lot more flexible and realize. I I do think that there are differences between men and women in that they have innate gifts that, that were just structured a little bit differently. But I think that everything works better when we're more flexible and we share. Um, and I think especially with kids, I feel like our schedules, their schedules change. I feel like it's every three months, there's a new rhythm, you know, if not more often. And I think we just have to be flexible and, and just be on a team. Realize that we're a unit as parents, not to individual people. And just like in our business, we shift people around in our uh, marriage. You know, we shift responsibilities around as needed. 
Right. And I actually wonder if being in a small space with your family all the time, sort of it forces you to be aware of ways that you can step in as a dad. I know that it can be challenging. We, As my husband and I were getting started off as parents that he didn't always know how he could help, especially when I was nursing and really the one that had to be on duty for so much of the time providing the food and the sustenance that it wasn't always so obvious ways that he could help and be aware. But do you feel like being in a smaller space with your family has really sort of put you in the middle of everything so that you're constantly aware and in tuned? I think so. A small space, I think, just does that. You know, we've, we've been looking at the possibility of building a house. And as we've done that, we've actually consciously thought about making the bedrooms very small, almost kind of bunk-like, and making the open living space the inviting space so that we're kind of forced into that space, that we're together more, that we're more social and that we spend time together and aware of each other more. I agree. And actually, just I think two episodes ago on the podcast, I had Lily Neubauer who was telling me her story of her journey to simplicity. And she was talking about how when she and her family were trying to scale back and spend less, they actually found themselves at home more and together more and eating together more. And that really forced them to be present with each other, that staying home, staying together in a close space that really, and that actually helped to bring the family closer together. And I really I loved that idea that this idea that being closer together physically brings you emotionally closer together as well. Yeah, I really I think so. One really interesting thing I think in our family, my my wife has a friend who commented that she felt like my wife tra- treated my children like our children, like people, not like children, that she really respected them and part of that I think came out of that as we were cooking one day my son was standing there right at the stove. He has a little learning tower that he stands in um, and is very involved. And I think the kitchen is is an amazing place, I think, to kind of jumpstart that togetherness and that involvement with children. Because I think they, in the kitchen, there are many things that they actually can do and they can, they pick up on and they learn how to do. And a place that we're at a lot. And it, it takes, I think, a little bit of adjustment, maybe in our mindset, because kids maybe aren't the same skill level and it's going to be a little bit more messy. But for us, that's been very rewarding to build that is a space that we share a lot. I actually think that would be one of the highest compliments someone could pay to me if they said to me that I treat my children like like real people <laughs> or like adults, <laughs> because I think that that shows that you treat your children with a certain amount of respect that obviously caught this person off guard. It was something that they weren't used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think that's something that we need more of in society. I agree. I think we often... Uh, shortchange children, maybe we don't, we think that they're kind of incapable or that they, I don't know if it's that they aren't smart or whatever. In in reality, if you look at how they come into the world and how fast they learn, it's pretty amazing. They're, they're brilliant little people and they, they pick up on so many things and learn so fast. This morning we were in the backyard. My wife was giving me a haircut before we came to work and my son was using the trimmer to trim my beard and I let him trim the back of my hair with the clippers and He's very capable of doing it. We've had, you know, maybe minor mishaps, but he learned so fast. The other day he was giving me a, he was playing with my hair like he was cutting my hair. And my mom actually cut hair. So, you know, when I guess this is probably more a man thing than a woman, when they put their hair in or their fingers in your hair and pull the hair up and then trim it off. As he was giving me this fake haircut, it was actually felt exactly like a normal (laughs) haircut. (laughs) So... I think they're, we just have to realize that they're very capable and just, and trust them. Yes. So can you tell me a little bit about some of the furniture pieces that you've been working on that have been inspired by this idea that you want to give children, bring children into the adult world and to give them 
pieces of equipment that help them to do the things that they really want to do, which is be with us. Sure. So the kitchen helper or the learning tower that I mentioned is probably one of the most used pieces of furniture in our home. And we build it first as a prototype. It's actually not available on our site yet. It will be very soon. But my one-year-old Bjorn has started using that. We'll be cooking the stove and I put him up right there with us. Actually, my son was in the learning tower. He, let's see, he was a late walker. He walked at about 16 months, but he was in the learning tower starting at 12 months. So he spent four months just standing, sort of like leaning against the counter and he could do so much. He would, you know, he would wash, I would give him a bowl and he would wash vegetables. He would transfer vegetables from a pan Uh to a bowl, whatever it would be. But yeah, he was right in the thick of it, even though he couldn't even stand up yet. Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing what happens when you kind of let them be a part of that. So there's there's that product. We've developed a floor bed, um, which lets kids at a much younger toddlers or get in and out of the bed a lot easier. Um, it puts the mattress very low to the ground. You've talked about it, I know, and reduces risk from them falling out. So they can be much more independent earlier. Yeah, we love ours. And for anyone listening, we are. my daughter just got a sprout floor bed and she really, really loves and I'm actually thinking about one for my son. They, it's just it's interesting that when you give them a piece of furniture that's their size, that they're instantly attracted to it and they want to spend time there. I mean, my daughter wants to lay on it. She wants to read her books on it. She wants me to sit with her on it. And I'm pretty sure there's like a 200-pound weight limit or something like that, isn't there? Um, they're pretty stout. I don't remember exactly. I have no reservations in sleeping <laughs> okay. on it. Because our, oh, our whole family has been on it and it's still standing, so... <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah. continue. Is it, what else are you working on? So we have some some toy storage, a low shelf that's designed for young children to put toys on that kind of presents them to them, inspired by Montessori. And then we're also working on quite a few additional pieces, some around more around toys and toy storage, some around dressing, some around more involvement in the kitchen, some around helping kind of in the entry, getting in and out of the house and making it easier to be active and outside. Obviously, tables and chairs, which I think are very important for kids to have a space that's their own. And we design ones with varying heights so that you can start a child in a table and chair set very young, and then it can grow with them. Most of our products, we try to incorporate some ability to grow with a child so that it increases the life of that product. So yeah. Cool. I'm excited to see what you're working on for the dressing area because maybe you haven't experienced this yet because you have boys. And I know some boys are opinionated. My son was not opinionated at all about, like, even to this day, I can throw him a t-shirt and pants. Like, all he ever wears is t-shirt and shorts or t-shirt and pants. Uh Um, I can throw them at him and he just puts them on. He doesn't ask twice. He just, or he can grab them. They're in low drawers. He can get them himself if he needs Uh to change his clothes. And never, never, like, thought about it. But my daughter, I mean, she was 13 months old and she had an opinion. Opinion, a very strong uh-huh. opinion about what she was going to wear. And I actually have to hide things from her sometimes because she wants to wear the same thing every day, which uh-huh. it's just, I mean, she'll wake up in the morning and she'll be like, where's my pink dress? Like the first words out of her mouth will be, where's my pink dress? So I uh-huh. think that for, I mean, for all kids making dressing something that they can do themselves and accessing those clothes themselves is really great. For some kids, I think it's actually something that's necessary to help prevent the tantrums and the constant questions. I mean, I know she follows me around being like, where's my yellow dress? Where's my blue dress? <laughs> and so uh-huh. I just think like if if we had, and right now all their clothes are in low drawers, but being in drawers, it can be hard to find things sometimes. So I think that- I, we, I struggle with drawers. <laughs> I I cannot keep a drawer straight. Like you, my drawers, I don't, I shouldn't even bother folding my clothes because they're a mess all the time. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I think uh-huh. that if, if there was a way that we could do some more hanging of her clothes and that sort of thing, that it would empower her to get whatever she wants, whenever she wants, but also it would alleviate me having to be constantly saying, oh, your blue dress is here, your blue dress is there, let me get it for you. So not only does it increase the independence for her, but it also alleviates some work on my part too. Yeah, yeah. And I will say that we we aren't experts on, you know, child development or everything that a child needs. And for that reason, we try to be very open and welcoming of ideas. Um, We have a group called the board, which we solicit feedback from quite often as we develop products. We've talked to you and asked you about products. um, And we we welcome that if any of your listeners have ideas, we are very open to ideas um, and needs to help children be more independent, involved, creative and active. So we we would welcome that if any of your listeners have ideas. Great. Well, I'm going to put your contact information, how to get in touch and follow along with you and Sprout on the show notes. So anyone that wants to take a look or give some feedback, I'm sure that they you would love to hear from them. We would appreciate that. Well, Clark, it's been really great chatting with you and hearing about your journey and where it's taken you. And I love to hear what you're coming out with next and excited to hear about the new stuff coming from Sprout too. Thank you, Danae. It's been a pleasure chatting. I always appreciate listening to your podcast and learning from you as well. Thanks, Clark. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment or a question in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 122. You'll also find the links to stay in touch with Clark there. If you could please take a second to leave a quick rating or review in iTunes, that helps this show to reach more people. Thanks for tuning in.